Welcome to Face Your Faith with West Kenyon. It is our hope that today's study will encourage you to grow deeply in your relationship with God as we study the Word together. Now let's join West for today's study. Our topic today is on a not-so-often-covered topic in God's Word, and that of cursing. And whether you call it swearing, cussing, profanity, potty mouth, and use excuses like, quote, pardon my French, or oops, because tender ears or someone of prominence or authority was an earshot of what rolled out of your mouth, I have not met one person to date that did not know when and where it was not acceptable to use foul language. And this topic I investigated from a godly scriptural standpoint in depth, and it came about through a simple conversation on why people use these words and what exactly we are communicating and why we are communicating these things. Furthermore, does God thoroughly address our foul mouth directly? Or are these words just filler words for conversation to make a point and make us sound cool and likable and a placeholder for us to fit into a conversation and with a group of people? Cursing is certainly nothing new and has been around from the very earliest of times. Nowhere does it mention that Adam and Eve directly cursed at God or to each other, but I would have to believe it wasn't far down the line of Cain and Abel that we adopted saying random, vulgar, unnecessary words, at least in our fits of rage. One thing I have found interesting in my time as a counselor and working with thousands of men of varying ages and backgrounds is that when we are in a church setting, even the most foul-mouthed person generally controls their tongue in a place of worship. And over the years, I have asked hundreds of these men why they feel free to curse the second they leave the sacred place and let the words freely fly but control themselves in a particular place associated with God or a deity. The majority of responses were quite simply, quote, we don't talk like this because it's a church, it's a holy place, and God doesn't like it. And a good number have told me it is blasphemous. These same men also stated that they would immediately apologize for cursing in front of a judge in court. They also said they would most likely never curse in front of the president or other high-ranking official. However, many felt indifferent about cursing at police officers. So it appears at least, based on several hundred people I have spoken with over 16 years, all seem to know what acceptable and unacceptable language looks like and when and where to use and not use it. And all this, in my opinion, clearly indicates 99% of people are very aware of what they are saying and only end up, quote, slipping when they spend a lifetime practicing and rehearsing these curse words throughout their lives. Sadly, I know several members of the clergy, yes, pastors, who have let very interesting words loose in meetings. Yet I know for a fact those words would never, ever leave their mouth on Sunday morning during a sermon under any condition. Please know I am not chalking this up as a judgment on their actions, but rather a question of their decision of the word usage in one circumstance and not the other. And perhaps all of this is never discussed in sermons very often and on Sunday morning and in Bible studies, etc. Because, well, after all, we all do it. And if anyone dare bring it up and the teacher of the word, quote, slips in public, it's certainly all over at that point for them. So if we don't really address it, we don't need to feel guilty about doing it. And even though we know it's not the best thing to do, after all, it doesn't really hurt anyone and God will certainly let us off the hook for a few words. 
After all, I would never directly say any of these curse words to God, right? And to think, cursing is becoming so much more accepted by society. Hollywood, the media, advertisements, books, predominant people, you name it, are all promoting it as being relatively okay or perfectly okay, so long as you know when and where not to insert it and insert it. But after all, you just have to admit they are just innocent words in the end. Again, these words not just said directly to God or in a holy place, etc., is probably just fine. And if you have no allegiance to God or a God of your choosing, well then, who cares? Well, if you don't have an allegiance to God, the God of the universe, and have a relationship with him, you are correct. It doesn't much matter. However, it is monumental if you do claim Christ as Lord and Savior. You may be very interested in what God thinks about what exits not only your mouth, but what bounces around in the very quiet place of your innermost being as well. Now for the fun part. Digging into God's word for not my opinion or answers, but God's opinion and God's answers. So here we go. Ephesians 4:29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Well, that's a rather bold in-your-face statement, and it doesn't even indicate just cursing, but any and all corrupt talk. My assumption is if I were to follow that mandate as God expects me to, I'm pretty sure, no, that's not honest assessment, I know for sure, I would have half the things to talk about and would keep my mouth shut far more frequently. How about you? And this is indeed a very broad, overarching mandate that most of us either do not exercise at all or certainly exercise it very seldom. A great quote from Abraham Lincoln who said, It is better to be silent and thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. And in similar manner, Ephesians 4.29 goes on to tell us that when we do talk, it is to be speech that builds up. It goes on even further, however, to point out that it is to be speech that fits the occasion. And why would that bit be there, that our speech is to fit the occasion? Wouldn't it make sense that any edifying, truthful, honest, God-honoring speech is all good at any time and anywhere? And the answer to that, I believe, is no. Are we not to tell the truth all the time, anywhere, anytime? Absolutely. However, there is a time to build someone up and a time to build someone up. Yes, I said that twice because there are two ways to build someone up. And here are the two ways in which I believe we can build someone up. Sometimes we need to, in honest love and honest truth, truly encourage someone who is down with a very encouraging, God-honoring word. This is a time that someone is going through a deep struggle, a very rough situation, and needs to be consoled. The same person, however, once consoled and up from their place of anguish, may then need to be revisited with further truth and love and, and compassion and hear that the reason they ended up in that place of misery was because of a less than wise choice they made. As you can see, in both cases, our words need to be fitting for the moment. And in both cases, when we addressed the situation at hand, and notice at no time was the truth not told in love and in a God-honoring way, but at both times, our speech provided an opportunity to build someone up, but in different ways that were appropriate. Is it not true that there are occasions to resurrect something from where it is at that moment to bring it back to its original place? And isn't there a time to break something down, deconstruct it, if you will, in order to rebuild it and bring it back to its original place? 
And that is exactly what we can do with our speech at the proper time and place, and all while being fully honest. Notice our passage only addresses corrupt talk, and perhaps that could be left up to varying opinions on what that exactly looks like and how to interpret what exactly constitutes corrupt talk. Personally, I don't think it leaves any wiggle room, but just in case it does for you, our next passage, also from Ephesians, should clear up any misconceptions. Ephesians 5, 4 through 5. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Okay, questions, concerns, comments? Anything not clear with that? Perhaps just one. This adds an additional layer, just as our first passage did with regard to building up at the right time and place with the truth, and this passage throws in foolish talk and crude joking. Wait, no joking around anymore? No rolling on the floor in fits of laughter about some body part, some bodily noise, some bodily abnormality? I know some even now are grinning and chuckling at things you have jokingly said about someone, what someone did, said, couldn't do. But isn't it interesting that joking can only pertain to another person or people, and a joke is really no more than placing our take on someone else's dysfunction and mocking them for it in front of the world. We haul innocent lives onto the stage of life and rip them apart verbally and only to have people laugh and like us at their expense. Yes, after all, they are just words. And the old adage goes, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. And what a lie. That could not be further from the truth. And to think, this was a nursery rhyme for kids. In an attempt to somehow convince them, you can just ignore words and they are meaningless. Just brush it off. But evidently, God knows us better than the writers of nursery rhymes. Because God is telling us right here that words are very powerful and can be very damaging and have incredible effect on our lives. And how many times have you heard someone say something about you, and it didn't even have to be cursing, and you felt anguish, pain, and fear? And for some, this has led to deep depression and even suicide. Yes, all from simple little words. You see, God truly cares and cares deeply about what we say and how we say it, and when we say it. But perhaps there is still room for debate on all of this, and it's really not as serious as God's Word says, or not nearly as dramatic as I am alluding to. Because a little joke and a little harsh talk that never hurt anyone, and it's all in good fun. And the people I joke about were right there. And they even laughed at it and joke about it themselves. Well, just because someone laughs does not mean it did not sting. Just because someone jokes about themselves does not mean they are pleased with where they are in life. But perhaps they know if they don't go along with it, they will be ultimately rejected. And so by going along with it, it is a way to stay painfully connected. Again, too much drama, too much reading into people and God's word? Fine, let's move on. James 1, 26 through 27. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. So how deceived are you? Do you think you're good and religious? Are you supposedly a good Christian, a respected church leader? Are you cracking jokes in the church office? Do you think just because you go to church and read your Bible and are a member of some religious organization that you are exempt from this? Is it really okay because everyone does it and God won't go after just you for this? So far from what I am reading, God doesn't care if you are a part of a large group of people doing something that is wrong and will turn a blind eye on what you are doing that he said not to do. After all, God does say, 
do unto others what you would want done to you. And to that you say, I don't care if someone makes fun of me, curses at me. They can say anything they want about me. But you know that is a lie. Because potentially just this week, someone said something to you that you took offense to. And someone in your life took their joking and comments just too far. And you got mad. And someone unleashed a heart full of profanity on you. And you retaliated. This isn't, however, just about us with other people. It is about our individual relationship with God, and God says words are very impactful on our emotions. The best words or the worst words have a major impact on our relationships and our lives, and so it is the case with our personal relationship with God. James 3, 9 through 10 states, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. How can we read God's word, pray, tell others about God, sing praises to God, and then turn right around and curse, joke, and verbally rip people to shreds? How can we justify the actions of doing what God said not to do? Because it is just what everyone does. How can both praise and evil flow from the same place? James 3, 11 through 13 can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Will we all continue to sin? Yes. Will we continue to joke and curse and dump words that are not God-honoring? Yes. But is it going to be overlooked, swept under the rug, God just saying, well, kids will be kids? In no way. You and I will be held accountable for every single solitary word that is not honoring and worthy of God. Oh, kids will be kids. But keep in mind that kids also receive consequences for not maturing and changing course. James 3, 3-6 says, When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take a ship as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. But where does all this corrupt talking come from? Straight from our sweet, loving, tender, endearing heart. Matthew 15, 18-20 says, What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander, and these are what defile the person. But how did those evil words and things even get into our heart in the first place? Because we put our focus in the wrong place. We focus on the things of earth, the pleasures that are in front of us, what others do, what others say, and how we can fit in. And so we take to heart, literally, the seemingly cool and relevant treasures of this life and store them as good treasure and mark them as valuable and useful, and all because they get us immediate gratification and recognition from the world. So where are you looking for treasure? From others or from God? Because if you are searching treasure from others, you will only find treasure chests filled with corruption that will not only keep rotting in your life, but when you give it away, will rot in others' lives as well. 
But when you seek and hunt godly treasure and store that up in heaven and in your life, it will not only not spoil or rot, but will grow in value. And when you give that heavenly treasure away, that will also grow and give life and light to all who receive it. Matthew 6, 21, Jesus said, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is your heart? Hanging around corruption, cursing and joking? Or is your heart hanging around every word that proceeds from the mouth of God? What goes in must come out. After all, you are what you eat. Take in corruption, and corruption will return. Take in goodness, and goodness will return. Consider what TV shows, movies, magazines, books, and the list goes on of what you are storing up in your heart. What are you exposing your heart to? Is it just innocent stuff and just fun and you can ignore those words in the movie? Why don't you ask God what he thinks? Finally, and don't forget this, we will all answer for our actions and the fires we set with our words, both in the lives of others and in our personal lives with God. Matthew 12, 36 through 37, Jesus said, I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Yes, we will answer for every single word. I, for one, am not looking forward to that moment. I have spoken a hideous number of idle words in my life and keep doing it. Please know this message is not about me telling anything I am good at and have mastered. I have not mastered this by any means, but know I need to be challenged daily to seek the right treasure if I wish to pour out the goodness God desires of me. So let's close on this passage of true encouragement and our prayer before God. Psalm 19:14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray. Lord God, we have set so many fires with our words. We have set the world on fire with our carelessness and sinful actions, and we have brutally hurt others with our many shallow words, our many curse words, our profane mouth, our evil thoughts. We have lived and continue to live out our lives storing up so many earthly treasures that moth and rust destroy, and yet we keep giving these corrupt things away to others, knowing it will fail them just as it has us. We ask you that you, Lord, would guide us in focusing on you, the treasures of heaven, the treasure that abounds in goodness and perfection. Keep us on the paths of righteousness for your namesake. Help us to keep our eyes on you, Father, the author and perfecter of our faith, Keep us from wandering like wayward, stubborn sheep, and please remind us before we engage in the seemingly pleasurable corruption of this world that we must turn our eyes to you. Thank you for your sacrifice that covers over all the selfish, hurtful things we do and help us to remember the error of our ways on a daily basis. Thank you for the gift of salvation and the redemption of our sin as we wait with anticipation for your return. And now we humbly ask all of these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.